easy. They put me under, knock me out, put me in. Or I'm finally waking back up. And they're, oh, they said you gotta, you gotta be careful now. We, we don't want you leaning over like this, straight up and down because of the pressure in your eyes. You're, you're gonna see that big circle in your eye for a few days yeah. from the eye, from the air and all that stuff. Yeah. Be careful. We don't want you lifting more than five pounds. We don't, we don't want you to put any kind of pressure on your eyeballs going forward like that. So mm -hmm. all this stuff. And they gave Dola these this paperwork and all that, and, and, and on it basically said you're out for about a month. Wow. <laughs> they lied. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I suspect the Dola family for, for Thanksgiving celebration, but that didn't happen. But anyhow, it was no fun. I'll say that it was no fun. Yeah. I can reassure you, no fun at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just I've been a week. Try to. It's the weirdest thing. I get up and I'm falling against the. the Walls on the side can't stay upright and stuff. And uh, in the middle of the night, waking up and vomiting, stuff like that. So it's been a weird little deal. We'll get it fixed up. We'll overcome it. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Well, thank you, Father God. We praise you, Father God, for the blood of the Lamb tonight. I plead that blood. I plead the blood every direction, north, south, east, and west. And I'm thanking you that you're, you're bringing the sons of the living God to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus to hear the word of God that you're bringing them forth from the north, south, east, and west and that we're seeing them on a weekly and daily basis here, Father God. I'm thanking you for that. Thank you, Father God, for the warriors that you've joined together with the family, with the household here. The warriors are coming forth to do it, to join battle with the enemy, taking overcoming, uh, taking an overcoming status at all times, Father God, I'm thanking you for that. Praise you for it. Thank you for the Spirit of the Lord who anoints us, who unctions us from heaven, who gives us, as it says in your word, words from directly from the throne. We're thanking you for those words tonight. I'm thanking you, Father God, that there's receptivity to the word, that it's going forth in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ, that we're seeing that we're learning the status as warriors in Christ as the, the, uh, the overcoming warriors that you've called us to be. We praise you for that, Father God. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. praise you for it. You want me to turn this thing on, right? Okay. No. You, you want to turn this on, right? I'm like holding my hand, but I just turned it on. So we, I guess we can somewhat be heard. I'm going to wear the goggles tonight because there's still little issues. It's like uh, someone took a... It's the, the garbage, the... the stuff that was on the eyeballs before is gone cleaned all that off but it's like they took a light sand, uh, sandpaper on the amp on the back of the windshield did this on it so it's a little bit of a fuzziness from it still but we're going to overcome we're going to be 2020 past 120 here uh, we were on the subject of the battle for purity talked a lot about that you might have possibly because it's been a while been what two weeks now been a while that uh might be some resurrection of memory on that. And I wanted to, to remind us of this, that we've got the common enemy, that we're engaged in a spiritual battle that can go either way, depending upon our own choices, depending on our own actions that we choose to engage in all that. Uh, and Ephesians talks about uh, that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against spiritual wickedness against spiritual opposition that's the horrible thing about it all you know living here on this earth isn't it we've, we've got this opposition and nothing comes easy does it <laughs> it seems like <laughs> uh, we've got to deal with that and so 
what ends up happening is we've, we've got to, to choose to overcome. We've got to choose to stand against the common enemy. Uh, he's called, remember some names that, that's used about him, some things that describe him. Do you remember? One of them is the accuser of the brethren. Why would that be an important thing? Why would it? Ah, you know, I remember as a second grader, and, and even before that, I can remember in school in Arizona, some of the little guys, we had about a thousand people in our little town, and everybody knew each other. I don't remember them all, but I remember one of the things that we'd say to each other sticks and stones can hurt my bone, but words can never hurt me. And that's a lie straight from the pit right here, because they do have an effect upon us. That's probably one of the main things that they affect us in is the words, because the word talks about uh, this, this spiritual battle. It talks about fiery darts being sent our way. And the fiery darts are based in what? what, is, what what's the enemy trying to do with those fiery darts? Why are those important? Why is it important to deal properly with fiery darts? Any ideas? Any insight on that? Why would that be important? The, the reason is... Because it's spread, it can affect because there is a body, yes. There's a body, and that body can rub off. You know, it talks in First uh, and Second Corinthians, there's this phrase, evil communications corrupt good manners in King James. It's talking about the lifestyle, the thought processes, the activity of the brain and the, the heart in those areas, uh, just not quite living up to the ideal. Why? Because of doubt, fiery doubts being thrown at us. Uh, they shouldn't affect us, but they do. And what do they do? They come in, they, they, if we're not careful, if our shield of faith is not, if we don't have it fully functional, fully in place, the dart might get around it somewhere and hit somewhere. And that doubt is what actually gives the authority to the enemy of the soul to come in and wreak havoc to go against the will of God, to go against what we would desire. I, I think no Christian in their right mind desires to serve the evil one. No Christian in their right mind desires to grow in outside of grace, but to grow in the area of works, in the area of their own effort solving all the problems. I don't think that's the case. I believe that every true Christian, everyone really truly born from above, what's within them is to serve God fully, to you to fulfill his will fully, to bring uh, the, the praise, the glory, and all of the things of the kingdom to the forefront and bring those up for the full effect that he desired. Uh, you understand we've talked in the past about, uh, about this whole shoot match, match being a legal exhibit before the universe. And uh, what the universe is looking for is are we going to glorify God with our actions, with our words, with our attitudes? Are we going to glorify him or are we going to go the other way? Are we going to let the fiery darts get a hold of us? The fiery darts mean there's fire involved. Uh, it was a, a horrible weapon that the Romans used most effectively and efficiently. They, if you've read your history books, yeah. the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, a very, very powerful book. <laughs> they, As I said, the damage does not stay on the point when you're not inspiring. No. Um, the fire spreads, it burns things, it does damage. Um, you increase your damage potential with fiery darts. Exactly. They were, that's one of the things they would do when they're going against the city. 
they didn't have the abundance of metal like we have. We could make a metal barrier of some kind to fight against and metal things to fight against. They had to deal with the wood. They, they had some really good wood and had a good way of curing it and, and cutting it and preparing it for battle. But yet, they could cause that, that wood to catch. They could cause that wood, there'd be major desire, desire, major disaster from that wood being caught on fire by the fiery darts affecting that wood. The fiery darts affecting the course of battle. Why? Because that's the tactic of the enemy. To, it says that he's got those fiery darts. And what do we do? He, he's, he's given us tools, right? He's given us things to deal with the battle. Uh, to become, here's a phrase that I like, to become an invisible hero. Okay, an invisible hero. Yeah, we have guys in, in the battlefield. Uh, I, I was, I, I didn't bring it tonight, but there's some guys, Brian Shantosh was one of the fellows. He was a, a young sergeant in the Iraqi, uh, what do they call that war? You know, the, the Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Uh, he, his, his, uh, his army group had gotten in there and they'd gotten ambushed and attacked. And uh, Sergeant Chantosh, he received the, the Medal of Honor. He survived this, that's what's wonderful, he survived this battle. Because usually it's, it's posthumous, usually they died when they get that, but he survived this and is, to this day is a, is a major hero of the Army, U.S. Army. Uh, he, he, they were overrunning his troops when he pulled forth the, the guys he had the weaponry he had, the, the uh, what do they call them? The, the uh, what's the, the, the weapon they drive with some, uh, you know, the Hummer? It's Hummer, I guess. Oh, okay. The Hummer, the armored, air, ar armored carrier. Yeah. He was able to get those together. A couple of them were smashed to pieces. He was able to get them together. He was wounded himself. He was able to inspire his troops together and get a perimeter together and begin fighting. And uh, he ended up, uh, the, the Medal of Honor came to him because he got the machine gun that he was portable carrying with him. He was able to completely destroy a group of offensive Iraqi soldiers that were attacking and do away with them. Then he was wounded even further. He was managed, even in spite of all that, to get over to another pill hole, uh, pill, pillbox, another battlefield front. He was able to overcome them. And then he went by himself. His guys had all gotten pretty well knocked out. And he was out there going after other Iraqi uh, groups that were defeating. By the end of it, he had killed 30-something of the enemy and completely overthrown their attack. That it sure looked like they were losing it, but he completely overthrown it and, and ended up coming out on top of it all when it was over. And so, like I said, they, they uh, awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor to uh, Sergeant Chantash. Chantash was his name. From Pennsylvania's man, he's a Pennsylvania guy. He got over, and there've been others. In World War II, my grandpa uh, Sam Robinette, my mother's daddy, uh, he was drafted for the war, like in 1940, I think. And uh, he ended, he ended up going before it was over. He was with Patton's third, George Patton's Third Army. He ended up going ashore at the D-Day invasion of Normandy of France on June 6, 1944. Uh, he, I think he was at uh, Utah Beach. I believe that's the beach he was in. There were five major beaches, Utah, Juneau, the Juneau was the Frenchmen, I mean the uh, Canadians, and the other four were mostly Americans. And they ended up over, overthrowing the beachhead, getting into 
making their way. He was a, a ranger. They ended up getting through the, the lines and all that. And, and the the, uh, the engineers, which is what he's part of, Third, Third Army Engineers, they were the first ones to go ashore because the Germans were outstanding. They were, they, to this day, they're outstanding in, in engineering. And they had gotten a hold of their engineering geniuses and set up the D-Day invasion defense where it was nearly impossible to get through there. And yet these guys went through all that, uh, their engineer guys went through all this mess. A lot of them died, yes, but they managed to get through this victoriously. They went ashore and pushed ashore and the engineers went up to the cliffs and overthrew the, the Germans that were still there at the time. By that time they had all got out of the way, you know. So it was a victorious battlefield because of that. And what was it? It took something within the soul of these men to overcome this. My grandpa was one of those, Grandpa Robinette. Another grand grandpa, Gardner out of Texas, was a, a P-51 pilot. They were in the Pacific against the Japanese. I don't know how many times he was shot down, but he had multiple awards and stuff. He ended up uh, founding the Confederate Air Force with his twin brother Lefty, Henry and Lefty Gardner. And they ended up founding, they had these, these shows of the, the World War II battle cruisers, you know, that they had put those on for years at fairs and things like that. Well, why was this? Because he had something in his soul. He was not a perfect saint at all. He, he failed in a lot of areas in that area, but he was, he was able because of what was in his soul uh, that God was able to use what he had as a basis and they were overcomers in those victories and that's what his desire uh, he says he's given us the armor of God uh, he's given us the, the different aspects of the armor as, as spiritual warriors uh, to what to overcome the effects of the fiery darts and what is that? that's the throwing forth of the false report you know, the word says it in another place, whose report shall you believe? Whose report will we believe? We shall believe, it says, the report of the Lord. That's a song that I like that we used to lead back in the 70s and the 80s and 90s and all that. I really enjoyed it. That's what this spiritual battle is about and all it is for us all because of the fact that we're called forth. We've talked in the past about the point man. Remember that? About the point man during the Vietnam, Vietnam War. These were 18, 19, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old young men. And they would go out on a patrol and the sergeant, the leader of the platoon would call out so-and-so, Sergeant, uh, Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Jeffrey, whoever, you know. Sergeant Jeffrey, <laughs> your point today. And you think about that, you think about the point man is he would be the first one to be hit. No, thank you. When, the, when they were running across enemy and the enemy was paying attention and looking at them to attack them, he would be the first man shot at because he was the point. And in effect, in spiritual things in life, you are God, the, uh, the platoon head of our spiritual platoon, our battalion, sends each of us as men of warrior, men of God and warriors before the Lord, as the men to be the, back, the, the point man for our youth, for our younglings, for our wives, for our family, for our family, for our families. I'm trying to speak in tongues here as I'm talking here, okay? But he was he put us forth in that way. We're the point man. We're the leader of the pack, like the song says. A little different than we wouldn't ride motorcycle motorcycle with this deal. So but we were <laughs> we would leave the platoon down the down the, the attack a point of attack down there. 
And one of the important things was a point man had to find, keep his soul together and hopefully keep his army armed together to successfully lead his patrol and bring them back to the headquarters or wherever they were going in one piece. And, and functional, he had, it was important for him to keep things together for this. So a point man must understand this spiritual activity. activity. The, the, the point man is responsible for keeping things together for the platoon following him there. And as an enemy before the Lord, or not an enemy, as a point man, as a, a warrior before the Lord, we're responsible for the Lord. You know, I'm thinking about, for instance, Keith's family. How many grandkids and grand, great grands do you have, Keith? Oh, God, I got 13 grades. 13 grades. Wow. Think, think about that. That, that. I think a platoon would be, depends on which platoon. It could be 21, it could be 13 or 11, or 35, you know, yeah. depending on, on infantry and stuff. So think about that. The, the, the grands are that. You have sons, four, four sons? I'm trying to remember back. They got three. Three, three sons, okay. You're back to sons and you have daughters. So imagine that you being leading them into the battle you're the point man, you're up front, and yeah. just imagine the things that might come your way as the point man, <clears throat> and you're you are responsible to stand in the gap in their behalf, yeah. and quite often, for instance, in Vietnam, the point man was a responsible man for all the people behind him making it through the battle, making it out of that alive, sometimes not in one piece, but alive, okay, responsible for that, we've got to remember that, that our kin, our, our our enemy, our enemy, trying to speak in tongues again. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> our enemy has come in with his fiery darts to cast, to throw at us as warriors, as point men before the Lord. And so, what he's done is to attempt to attack. Remember the areas of attack. You remember those. The the uh, the enemy has sent in our in our behalf toward us. He sent us the lust of the eyes. Remember that. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh is the first thing. That's actually the easiest to overcome of all of them, really. But the lust of the flesh, then the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the pride of life. Remember that? That's what the that's what the warrior is dealing with, spiritually speaking, against our enemy of our soul, is the pride of life, which what is that? That's the spirit. That's the you remember Lucifer, how he got to be who he is. You remember that now, eternity past. He is a created, decreated, he's called the anointed cherub who's covered before the creator of the universe. He is the highest rank of all of the, the, uh, the cherubims. <coughs> and why is that? Because yeah, I believe because he was appointed to lead the most important function of the universe, that is to offer worship and sacrifices to the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. So he was the most important angel and yet in all of that, what happened, it says that he something happened inside him. It was the pride of life happened in him. And he said, guess what, people, to a third of the angels, guess what? I'm going to overthrow the creator. I feel like saying, here's your sign, buddy. <laughs> like the comedian, here's your sign. You know? He tries to overcome, tries to, to join forth, get a battle unit together of the third of the angels. And what does the word say? He was cast down from that position. Imagine the, the terror. Imagine the hurt. Although Father God is not getting hurt, he's not emotional the way we are. 
but yet there was this offense against him. Why? Why was that? How did that happen? It was he was accusing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of being unjust. You won't let me up on the stage with you, Creator, so I'm going to overthrow you. Yeah. I'm going to take it myself. So I understand that's where that all this all arranges from is, is the pride of life and then what happens? The lust of the eyes. He can see the the glory of the angels. Remember he said to the Lord Jesus when, when he was tempting him in the desert, Jesus had come from the, the throne down into this baby's body. Okay, and he's there and, and tempting him and says, listen, look at all of everything that's mine. Look, everything is mine. I'm the ruler of the world, of this world spiritually. I took the throne, but not the main throne, but I took the throne. Father, creator, cast me down from there, and here's where I ended, and I'm over this now. I'm ruler of this, and here you go. Take a look. Take a look, Jesus. Take a look, Messiah. If you'll bow down, what happens? It's yours. It's all yours, buddy. It's all yours, and what did Jesus say? Get behind me, devil. Get behind me for the word. The word says this, you shall worship the Lord your God and only. Nothing else. That's how he dealt with it. He threw fiery darts his way of doubt. And what did he do? He brings the word up, which is 10 times, millions of times more powerful. And it, the dart comes and falls to the, to the dirt, so to speak. That's what happened. That's the warrior aspect of things. So he did that. Then what was the other thing, which is really relatively easy to overcome? He says, listen, uh, uh, if, if you're hungry, if you're so hungry, look, you have all kinds of stuff on the desert ro uh, dirt floor here. Talk to that rock, those rocks over there and turn them into bread. Remember that? Get thee behind me, Satan, because you shall not live by bread alone. I love that. Word. I love that. Oh, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. It comes from the mouth of Father. Every year at Christmas, Sunbeam puts up the thing with the girl praying, says, not by bread alone. Yep. But by the word of the Yeah, I, I love that billboard. It's awesome. But yeah. it's, all, it's something you can get emotional about thinking about that, you know. The thing about that, that's the fiery darts that, that come in all those different areas at us. And the what we think in our little noodle-sized brain and thought process, we consider the, the fleshly things the hardest to deal with a lot of the time. You know that? You realize that? Getting hungry, we're going down the road, we get sharp with our sweet thing. Oh, I'm hungry. Don't say that. Don't bother me. I'm hungry right now. You know? <laughs> I don't feel like talking to you right now. I'm hungry. You know? we get, that's, that's an area that we, we think it's primo or something. The reality is he wants to lead you astray spiritually to worship the wrong God, to get outside the circle of fellowship. Change your focus. Change your focus. That's great. That's a great way to put it. He wants to do that. So that's the, the spiritual battle that we're dealing with. And, and the Word talks about uh, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9. I believe if God said something to us, we're capable of it. Why do I say that? Because if we were incapable of it, he wouldn't be fair. Lucifer would be right, wouldn't he? The whole thing would come crashing down. Why? Because it turns out he was unfair, right? 
So he tells us different things. He'll give us commands for different things. First Peter 5, 8 says, uh, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to for someone to, uh, to remove. Oh, someone to sin, someone to yield to his influence. Therefore, resist. Stand firm in the faith because you know your warriors throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. That's suffering. You think about that. You know, I've, I've grown up in the years down south. I'm sure people are the same here because I've only been here three years and I see a lot of similarities. Uh, a, a lot of folks, they'll say, yes, the Lord wanted me to suffer. Wanted me to suffer this you know, this cancer in my lungs, or he wanted me to suffer this headache. Or, that's absolutely false. It must be Paul's thorn in the flesh. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, I, I'm trying to think, who, who did I hear recently talking about the thorn in the flesh and furniture, and they, and they were saying, you know, no one knows what it is. It's just, it's just a mystery. No one knows what it is. And it was, it was hard within me not to correct because the word says exactly what the thorn of flesh was. The thorn of flesh. It says it in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul said, lest I should become exalted and tempted to be like Lucifer, you know, and come above God's authority and all. He said there was given to me, God didn't do it, there was the enemy gave it to him, okay? There was given to me a thorn in my flesh the angel of the Lord. It was a specially constructed devil person, demon person, specially constructed for the purpose of distracting because Paul, you realize being a Jew, if you've done business with Jewish people that practice today, well, they're not perfect saints, I know that. You know, and there's, there's things you can accuse them, I know that and all that. But the ones that I've grown up with and been around that were serious and all, they are so focused you don't deny them of anything that they're going after. And they know they stand on the word, the revelation they have of the word, so they're using that. And acting upon the word, they're taught a lot of good things of the word. But I mean, they get bad reputations because they're so focused and get these things done. And it looks like they don't care about anything else. Well, that's the way they are. That's their, their characteristics, main characteristic, I guess. So you got those guys. Uh, <clears throat> coming into the situation. But Peter talks about that the suffering, uh, the suffering involves standing in your own soul against those attacks that have come your way. Uh, sickness is not, it can be an attack of the devil, yes. Uh, Paul made mention when he, in the same context of the, the, the thorn in the flesh, he talked to the Galatians and said, listen, he said, I know you people, I know you love me so much, that you were ready to give me your own eye. But why? Because you know what had happened? He came to Galatia. What had happened was the, the thorn in the flesh, that special demon, had gone and stirred up another town and, and Galatia, in those towns around Galatia, stirred them up to persecute Paul, and it says that he was stoned. But the Jewish people were more leading than anybody. He was stoned and left for dead. And uh, if you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ, you've got a chance to see that back in the or first half of 2000. I was in Australia. The group wanted to go see that there. It just come out. 
and they, they showed how they tortured Jesus. But one of the main torturing things was to stone him, throw big rocks until they were killed by it. So imagine Paul, this little guy that they pull out there, they whip the fire out of him with whips. He said, says he's 39 times, five times he got whipped with 39 lashes. He got his back torn to pieces by that thing, okay? But then they, they stoned him, these people in the town, influenced by the thorn in the flesh demon. They, they stoned him and left him for dead. Just imagine, probably one of them rocks hit him up here and he was all swelled up and maybe infected and all kinds of stuff going on there. That's what that's referred to. That was not the thorn in the flesh, that, that thing wrong with his eye at that time. He was healing up. The thorn in the flesh was that specially constructed and assigned demon going to the different areas where he was going to stir people up against him to get the religious people under the influence of Satan, of Lucifer, and torment him and try to keep that working because the devil knew he was a goner when Jesus shouted, Tetelestai, finish, on that cross. He knew that was the end of it. That was all done. My, my daughter, when she was this tall, about a year and a half, I'd get home at night. I was in that contract, and it might be 10 o'clock. She was still up waiting for me. She was at the table. She had a plate of food, and uh, she was she had been and she liked to eat. She was a little bitty kid, but she liked to eat stuff. She enjoyed food. So we'd be sitting there, and I'd be sitting there. Oh man, I'm tired. Oh man, I'm tired. And Susanna would push back like this, and she would lean back, and go. <sighs> She'd go tummy tull. I done. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine if the devil, everybody was all done. Paul was all done with this stuff. He was all done getting whooped on. But they would send, come back for more. That was the thorn in the flesh trying to hinder him from starting, starting up the new creation nation. See, uh, Israel, the Jewish people, they were a client nation to God, specially anointed. God went with them in the tabernacle and different things. He was spe they were special to him. And, and their nation was founded for that purpose, to spread his good news of the blessing of the Lord to the earth. Remember Adam and Eve, that blessing. That's what they were doing to get people back in covenant with God, back going to church like they were supposed to, back serving the Lord and loving him. And Israel had basically failed in their mission. They got religious. They went on to Lucifer's side in a lot of areas. Got religious. And so God in his his mercy, he's sending, he's starting a new creation. That's what it says, if any man in Christ, he's a new creation, a new species of being on the earth. And, and everything is past and everything is new. Paul was assigned, he was the specially assigned apostle of all the 12 and 40 to have many there ended up being. He was a special one to start up and fire up this new nation, to train the new nation in this new creation which they called, started calling at that time Christians. In the city of Antioch, they called themselves Christians. That was actually a put-down in the Roman world at the time. But they took it proudly. Paul was there to set that up. And so he had this special assigned demon from Lucifer's camp and kingdom come in there with the purpose of keeping it from happening. The exhibit in the Supreme Court of Heaven, remember that? This exhibit, legal exhibit, men with the ability, the capacity to make their own choice, choose to love God, choose to follow God, choose to get this word on the inside so they, they, they grow up spiritually and they're just like Jesus, that choice. 
that's what this whole shooting match has been about all these hundreds and thousands, 2,000 years now, I guess, something like that. That's what it's been about. To show and prove Lucifer's accusations, the accuser wrong in that courtroom. That's what it's all about. So, as warriors, that what we, we go, we're going a step further. You understand that, right? We're going a step further than just being a Christian. No, we're joining up, we're yoking together as men of God and as ladies of God, working together, taking what's in here as our problem-solving devices and overcoming. What's it say in Revelation? They overcame him, the enemy, by what? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Where will the word come from? That's right. They didn't love their life. They put this above anything. Where, where was the word? What are they doing with the word? How do we know they were using the word? Because they planted it in here. That's the plan. That's the setup of heaven. This new creation to take this word in here, to digest this word, to eat it and digest it, and making it part of their own structure, their being's structure, and begin to speak that word. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. I plead the blood. And I speak forth your promise, Father God. You always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I thank you for victory. I'm praising you for victory. I've done that time and again in life. Time and again, I've seen the victory. I, I haven't been perfect. It hasn't always worked out every little step in my favor, but I've seen it. I've walked in victory all these years, not bragging, just stating that's been my reality in life. And that's his desire for each of us as a warrior before the Lord to come out and overcome by that blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. He exalted, it says, his word above his own name. You call out Jesus. Well, Jesus, Yeshua, means Redeemer, Savior. But in reality, it's, oh, it's the, the word is above that name even. Think about that. The word is more powerful than that name. That's why the enemy's fiery darts. That's why it's the main the main weapon against us, the main strategy, is the fiery darts to come cause us to disbelieve the word, to choose to not believe the word. Remember Eve? Remember, remember Old Testament Genesis? Remember Eve is there in the garden that the serpent, Lucifer in the serpent comes, talking to her. He didn't come with horns and red and fire out of his mouth. That would have scared her. He looked like something that belonged there. It was part of it. Came in there and uh, said, uh, what about this fruit? Remember what Eve said? Remember Eve's words to him? Well, this fruit is here, and we're, the, the Father God has said we're not to eat that food, or she, she added this, or touch it, lest we die. Remember those were the words, right? She added a little to the word. So what, what did the, 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 the Lucifer person, what did they answer back? Ah, you'll not die. Contradiction a lie, okay? You'll not die. The reason he said that is because he doesn't want you to become just like him. Think about that. That was the battleground right there, the, that doubt thrown against him. That's been the history of the universe with mankind. The one that God set the whole plan around to rub the dirt of the earth and over the head and the face of Lucifer, okay? In this exhibit of, of the Supreme Court of Heaven, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I don't know why I'm talking about all this, okay? I don't know why, but maybe it's something some of us need to understand. So we're, we're resisting, it says, 1 Peter 8, 9, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, 
a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But those who stand firm in the faith, because you know your brothers throughout the world are suffering, the same kind of suffering. In other words, he's promising the victory to us as we stand against that, as we, we come against the doubts, we overthrow the doubts. Uh, I uh, heard Brother Kip, I like to listen to my, I love the phone. I don't worship it, but I enjoy what it brings to my life. I can put my YouTube on. I recommend get, get your YouTube app and put the kcm.org uh, button in there because there's conventions I always put on teaching the word, preaching the word. And he, he's talking about in there, um, he, he's talking about uh, how we're, Brother Copeland is the main, Ken Copeland's the main guy of the KCM deal, but there's Jesse Duplantis, whom I really enjoyed it, Brother Jesse, Brother Jesse, the Copeland, the, the Cajun guy in New Orleans, I like him a lot, and then Jerry Savell is, a, he's kind of like an actual mentor, a son of Kenneth Copeland in a sense of the word, he, he came on board that ministry in the late 60s, and then went out on his own after a few years, he was his right hand man, drove all over the country for his preaching, carry him, carry the team around. And he's got a lot of wonderful, wonderful revelations and miracles. Uh, the latest miracle, I don't know if y'all heard it, it was, what, three years ago, four years ago? He, he wakes up and he, he's, he's, he's in a stroke. And it was the kind of stroke that will kill you instantly. He's standing in, on the Word in front of all this. And they get him over to a hospital. The doctor's saying there's no way he's not going to make it. Every All reports... All the fiery darts are saying he's a goner. He began to stand on the word. He said, I couldn't even talk. The only word I could say was yes. He's testing. The only word I could say was yes. So the family would ask a question. All he could say was yes. <laughs> and finally, he got a hold of the word. They started, this is the kind of household that they had. And the, the, the crew he runs with, they focus on God's word. They understand this word is higher than anything else, even the name. They begin to talk the word. Brother Jerry, uh, Jesus died. He hung on that cross. And it says that who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. 1 Peter 2, 24. That we being dead in sin should live to righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Brother Jerry, you understand the word were, what it means, right? And what tense is were, Jerry? Yes. <laughs> and they say, you understand it means were is past tense. It's already happened, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, he said that, that immediately he began to get better and they stopped saying the death sentence over him. But he still couldn't get up and move and walk around and stuff. He was, his whole right side was paralyzed. He could barely talk. But uh, he, he asked his daughter to take him. He used to be a, a body man. That's what his profession was. His daddy was the Corvette man of the nation for a while, or GM. And so Jerry grew up racing cars and fixing Corvettes and stuff like that. And so he had a garage at his place. It was probably a 15-car garage. He just kind of collected them and, you know, his spare, whatever spare time he had would be able to work on them and get them going again. So he had these 56 Chevy, Chevelle, all these different cars in there. And he asked his daughter, please take me to the garage. He says, really, it's a showcase rather than a garage. But he said, she took me over there. And as we went in there, I saw each thing. She, and, and he said, I had her take me over to the car. He said, I would open the door and get in and begin proclaiming the word of God that I'm healed by the blood of the lamb, the word of my testimony, that by his stripes I was healed. He said I was able to pick the, the, uh, the key up and start the car. And, 
put it in gear, let it go forward and backward a little bit, and put it back. He said, I was paralyzed, but I was doing that. And he said, I did all 13 cars with my daughter patiently working with me on this. He said, I walked out of the garage. I was able to walk. And suddenly I, was, I said to my daughter, well, that, that Corvette, it, it needs a little extra cleaning, doesn't it, Jerry? Her name's Terry. Terry, it needs a little clean, doesn't it? She was just shocked out of her board. Suddenly he's talking. I walked back to the house, and the doctors, they, they went back over to see the doctor, let them know, and the doctors were shocked out of their gourds. I mean, they're, they're spirit-filled men and Christians and all that, but, you know, we Christians don't get our expectors on like we should. Mm-hmm. You understand that? We don't get our expectors. He's given us that gift of faith from above. How does faith come? By hearing what? Hearing this word. Hear that word, act upon it. And what happens? You see things go in your favor because of the word. By the time he's back to the house, he's almost walking normally. And the next week, he's out preaching around the world again. He's out flying his airplane again, preaching around the world. Miracles. That's the crowd like that runs with a coconut like that. They're, they're probably not perfect individuals, but yet that's their focus in life is to serve and love on God and be, bring glory to the Lord. So Jerry Savelle, uh, Dola really likes him a lot. She gets a lot out of what he says. And there's Bill Winston. Dr. Bill Winston has a real big church in one of these uh, upscale Chicago suburbs up here. I don't remember the name. Wood, not Woodstock, but some one of those kind of names like that up this side of Chicago. Huge church there. He's on national, international TV and all an Oral Roberts University graduate, and God got a hold of him and put him in the ministry, and he's there now. Bill Winston Creflo Dollar, maybe you've heard of him in Atlanta. He's, he flies, he does three, four church services on Sunday in different states, one in Phoenix, one in Atlanta, one in, uh, somewhere in, in Florida, and one somewhere on the East Coast. He flies the jet, four different locations to have service. That big of a ministry, he's worldwide TV. and. Uh, Creflo and then uh, uh, Bishop Keith Butler, he's out of Detroit. Same kind of dude. He has four churches on Sunday. He does the service. I mean, really powerful men of God, really understanding the way to operate in God's faith in life. Okay, And you know something that's, that's emphasized? Yes, they'll talk about the testimonies of how God did this for me and I believed him for this and he met that need and stuff. Yes, they do that. But if you get closer to them, you'll discover their whole purpose is to bring glory to the Lord, to bring people to Jesus, to bring a testimony in the earth, people to Jesus. Uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis is really radical about that area. He's, he's, he, was, uh, he was redeemed out of the rock and roll world. He talks about he used to make thousands of dollars a week playing concerts and stuff. And uh, Jerry Jackson was his rock and roll name back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, had contract recorded contracts. One night, he was he calls him. So I was just a heathen. He grew up Cajun boy. His mom and daddy got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Were Pentecostals. He grows up and stays heathenized. He ends up that the doctors told him he wouldn't make it past 24 years old because he was drunk had drunk himself to death. They said his liver was going to fail, be gone before then. But one night he's in Philadelphia for a meeting there. Uh, he's a <clears throat> He turned the TV in the hotel on, and Billy Graham was on the TV. And because Billy Graham, he was a staunch Catholic growing up, you know, he didn't really believe it, but he was staunch that. And, and so he didn't really believe in Billy Graham, but Billy got a hold of him with what he was saying before that, that moment in the 
hotel was over, he had asked Jesus to take his life over. He went out to do the concert. He gets up there and says, you're all going to hell. He's preaching. And they was all, he said they was all crying out there and everything. But he, he, he made a radical turnaround receiving Jesus. Stepped out of the dope. He, he, he'd buy all the cocaine he wanted and make money. All that kind of stuff. He dropped it all dropped away. And he's glory to God. He's out of New Orleans now. One of the wealthiest people in New Orleans. He, he gave everything away because he, he believed that doctrine of demons that says you're supposed to be dirt poor, worth nothing and all that. That's, that's a doctrine of demons. You're supposed to be blessed. You think what the word says, what, what was the original words of God to Adam and Eve when he created them? Be blessed, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and have dominion over it. He's never taken that back. Do you realize that? He's never taken those words back from you. So think about that. That was a doctrine of demons to believe you're supposed to be poverty stricken and barely, on barely get along street next to Grumble Alley all your life, all that kind of stuff. That was, that was demonic deception. And he bought into that for a little while. But then the Lord began to renew his mind and he realized, hey, he wants us all to be blessed. He pronounced the blessing. And now he's one of the richest fellows in New Orleans, which is pretty rich. New Orleans got some wealth in it. One of the richest people there, you know. And not from the preaching. He got that just, I'm, I'm not sure, investments he talks about in the messages and all that. He, he says, I have some good bankers that do what I tell them. <laughs> And the Lord will tell me to do this. The Lord will tell me to do that. And he said, they come asking, what's next? What's next? Because they want to get in on it a lot of times. He's got supernatural insight. So anyway, I enjoy Brother Jesse a lot of times. It'd be good to download that YouTube app and, and type in kcm.org and type in Jesse Duplantis and type in the different ones and get them up in line because they'll come up. Their newest messages whatever will come up. And I like listening to that. I used to. Uh, before marrying Dola, my evenings would consist of doing Jesus time with the family and stuff and go to sleep, put my iPhone up here and put it on YouTube and it would run all night long, one message to the next. Put it on work. It wouldn't keep you awake, but there was enough your ears to get what was on there. One of the best things I think that I ever, the best habits I ever got into, to hear that. Uh, the Pastor Dola is unable to sleep with that kind of stuff going on, so I don't turn it. The phone run I like that, and I would have some issues to deal with there. But anyway. So anyway, I said all that to say warriors arise, warriors resist, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Uh, that word faith there in the, the Koine Alexandrian Greek that, that Alexander the Great basically invented for the Greek nation back in the day there. Uh, they have different tenses and different things like that. And the word faith has several different Greek words for it. Here it's talking about whom resists steadfast in the faith. That means pistis, the body of what you believe, what you built. So you're built a spiritual house, it says in First Peter. You're built a, how, what's it built of? It's built of the word of God, digested. What you've made a part of yourself, this word. And so that's why I forever will emphasize emphasize, meditate, deep think this word on a daily basis. I've, uh, another little phone trick I've learned. I get from, I'm trying to remember which group, uh, which group it is, Faith Gateway, I think, a verse of the day. And it's made up real nice. They, they, uh, they 
artists make artists make it up real nice looking and all that kind of stuff. And there's another one from a different group called Devotion of the Day. They take a scripture. It's for the purpose of you taking and meditating on it to help your spirit man out. So that's what I'll do. I'll I'll uh, Oh, in the in the insert, you mean? Huh? In the that I gave us in the insert, or, or the verse, you mean? Yeah, the verse. Sent home with us. Okay. See the one for this morning. I haven't sat down and, and written and typed in what the the, uh, the the thoughts that came from it yet, but for December first this year, Romans eight thirty nine. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very well known verse actually. Romans chapter 8 there. Very well known verse. And I'm going to sit down and sit there and meditate that out. Deep think that out. Some good things. Some of the other other ones here as an example. Uh, November 25th, Acts 15.10. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the necks of the disciples, which neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? And the notes that came to me as I'm thinking this, placing a yoke on the necks of, dis of the disciples, question mark? Well, in Galatians 5, it says, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. A yoke equals the state of bondage. No generation is able to bear this yoke of bondage. It's a spiritual law. It's too much for humans to bear, okay? So grace, G-R-A-C-E, has conquered all yokes through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I probably could have written a whole lot more if I had stayed there for an hour doing this, but it's only 15, 20 minutes. So I'm doing it at a time. That would be a real good practice to get into. I love these things because you can sit there and you can get the thoughts, type them out real quick. I guess there is a way that you can hit a button and talk and it would, it would like dictate to it, right, Jeff? Yeah, there, on your iPhone, if you pull up your keyboard, same, with Google, same if you have an Android, if you pull up your keyboard. Okay. But on the Android, if you pull up your keyboard, it's got the emoji, the numbers, the emoji, you see that on the very bottom row? I'm waiting on it to get to it here. Oh, where it says more at the bottom here? No, no, I should say, um, normal like you're making a text. Okay, let me get the text one up. I got something else up. Okay. That's how Gola does it with her phone. She she doesn't type stuff. She texts. She, she says it to it. Oh, I see now. There's a little microphone at the bottom, next to the emoji button, or next to the one, two, three button. Okay. If you hit that little microphone, it'll bring up a voice microphone, or it'll show you wavelengths. It's not doing that on mine. Okay, let me. But the, probably the little the alphabet-looking thing. No. Stop doing on this. That, that's how Dola's done it since I've known her with that. This phone. And since we're talking about that, do you know via Bluetooth headset you can actually dictate to word on what you want to type? Oh, really? With Bluetooth, yeah, I carry the Bluetooth on me a lot of the time. But yeah, that's a great idea. It's a great thing as you get the thoughts, say them out loud, and let the phone uh, write them out for you. Yeah, if you hit okay on that one, see it says text yeah. message. 
And there's that little button. Oh, okay, it's on the keyboard. Okay, yeah. okay. Hmm. Yeah. So Dolo's done it since. Does Auto Correct make as many mistakes as it does? Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah you gotta read it because it'll say. Well, yeah, to text or anything, you need to read it and read it, check it out, mm-hmm. proofread and stuff. But it saves a lot of time. I do that all the time. I am radioactive with this yeah. microphone on our. It changed A L M O S T to A L L M O S T. Two different words instead of one word almost. That's the Appalachian spelling, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, we, we as, as the Warriors, we're going to close here pretty quick, John. As the Warriors, remember the spiritual battle. The main thing you're dealing with is the fiery darts of doubt coming your way. I, I love something that the Lord did for us through Jesus, through his act on the cross. It said, finished. Uh, Romans 8, 1, he covered all the bases for us. That's what the word grace actually means. Back in the day, here's an example I give of that grace. Uh, the, the, uh, the people of an area would say, we want, who, who's the big stars right now? Uh, Garth Brooks, right? There's some of BTMT, it's a Korean boy group like that. Backstreet Boys, BTMT, I think's the name of it. Uh, we want BMT, all the youngsters get together. Oh, we want to see BMT. Why don't you arrange, why can't we just have them come to Rockford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't we just have them come to Rockford at the BMO, okay? Well, who has the BMT at the BMO? The BMT at the BMO. BLT. I think it's called BLMT or something like that. I know it's music group who you're talking to, though. Yeah, yeah, the Korean boy band. They do a lot of, like, Backstreet Boys type music. That's what they do. But anyway, let's let's say that we have a group of younger people demanding they want to have BLMT here. Okay? And think in terms of the Greek people back then. Oh, we want them. We really desperately want them. Someone with deep pockets comes up, steps up, and says, I will be your charis. Your charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis. Charis means, it means gifts, it means benefactor also. It means someone who will provide a gift. Okay. Okay. I'll be your charis, your benefactor. I will contact the LMT. I'll go call Korea. I have my people, my secretary, get it all set up. And we will do the paperwork, the legal obligations. We'll get it all set. We'll pay their expenses to get here. We'll see if we can get a management group to, to book them other places too. But just for you guys, I'm going to do this as a blessing to you. Kind of like a promoter then. Yeah. Modern day promoter. A, a sugar daddy promoter yeah. would be a better way to say it. Because <laughs> they're paying all. You're not charging ticket prices. You right. just, you, that, that's what grace means. Jesus Christ is the ultimate charis, the ultimate benefactor the ultimate gifter, and he's, he provided everything for us in grace, the ability to overcome, why, how? By the presence of who? Presence of the Holy Ghost. The armor of God is enabled by the Holy Spirit inside of each of us as a child of God, okay? That's how we can always be caused to triumph in Christ Jesus. So Jesus covered and paid it all, like the song says, one of the important scriptures, one of my favorite of all of them, is in the book of Romans, chapter 8. And everybody's heard this many times before. What he did as the charis of the universe, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who live not by their fleshly nature, but by the spiritual nature, by the Spirit of God. Okay. Jesus took you and I, our fleshly beings, these dirtbags we walk around in, he took it off the table, actually. 
What do you mean by that? You, you offer cheap grace? Actually, Jesus is the one who offered cheap grace to us. He paid all. He set it all up so that we would be overcomers. So that as we made the choice before that, as that exhibit of, of the Supreme Court of Heaven of God's justice, we make the choice with our own volition, we're going to go his way. That's what he did. He paid it all. But what happens if we don't always go his way? You read it in 1 John. You read that verse. Everybody knows if we confess our sins, right? He's faithful and just. The whole context of 1 John 1 that's talking about there is that we have a choice. We can walk in the light as Jesus is in the light and the blood of Jesus, that action of finished, it, it washes us clean, keeps us clean as white as snow, right? He took us off the table, off the plate. We actually have no personal, yeah, could disappoint him, yes, and we can make people mad at us, yes. Upset people, right, yeah. Offend people, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't offend him, it doesn't upset him because Jesus said, I'm taking it all, I love you this much. He took it all, took care of it. So Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation. It doesn't mean no one's gonna look at you and wave a finger, it means there is no eternal judgment there's no place in the family of Satan now because Jesus took care of it. And he and puts that little condition on who walk not after their flesh, who don't act like the devil all the time, right. live like it. There's no condemnation, no eternal judgment. So what he's saying in Romans 8 there is as, as the warrior, as the child of God before God, but then the warrior before God, what's our responsibility? Stay honed in on the Holy Spirit, on the action of the Spirit. Uh, that remember I've talked about there's a huge circle of salvation right <coughs> huge God, God is not willing that any should perish right? right he made the circle of salvation as big as he could there will never run out of space in that circle but there is another circle that he commands us to be live in it's called the circle of fellowship with him the circle of walking at Romans 8, one, the circle of walking after the things of the Holy Spirit. Choosing, that's what this scripture in Deuteronomy choose. He says, I set before you death and life, right? Blessing and cursing. So I'm commanding you, if you don't choose, I'm commanding you to choose life, because if you don't choose it, what happens? Death is the default. Death is what automatically happens. Death is the automatic thing because you're, you're under the curse, you're under the law of sin and death, right? That's what he keeps talking about in Romans 8 there. But Jesus paid it all. He took us off the table completely and put Jesus, God took, put Jesus in our place. And, and when he looks at Jesus, what does he see? When he looks at us in Christ Jesus, what does he see? He sees Jesus, right? Uh, one of my black preacher brothers, he had this saying, God ain't mad no more. That's what he said. The Lord ain't mad no more. <laughs> he not mad no more. I like that. Why? Why is that? Because Romans 8.1. He took us off the table and put Jesus in our place the whole way. As warriors, that's one of the important things to remember that we need to stay in our place. Well, hopefully I can finish this off next Wednesday. Oh, yeah, next Wednesday we'll be here. I'm just thinking. Next Wednesday, the Wednesday after we're in, Dola's the board member of Jimmy Jack's Foundation, and that's the, the big shindig in Branson. So it will be the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and the 13th and 14th, we go do Christmas with my kids three hours away in Oklahoma and then head back here. So we'll be here next Wednesday. I will not be the Wednesday after. But hopefully we can finish this off. Hopefully get some more warriors to come back and get in their place. Yeah. To grow in him.
Amen. You know what? I feel better. When I came here, I felt like garbage. 